And Dominion Fire 360 is on, my friends. Million here with you, M-I-L-L-I-A-N, your ministry provocateur, iconoclast, firebrand, and the resident heretic here at Dominion Fire. It is a pleasure to welcome you to another podcast as we're rolling along with cranking out episodes and just having conversations and sharing different pieces of the kingdom with people because that's uh, that's kind of what we do here. We're on a search for truth. We're on a search for knowledge. We're trying to figure this stuff out. This world is so complex and this whole spirit thing is so complex and just trying to make some sense of it. Now, anytime you want to get any of these shows, it's always at dominionfire.com. All the social media links are there. Everything is at the website. That's the headquarters for all of us, dominionfire.com. Com. Joining me today from Sudbury, Ontario, up in Canada, you may have heard of something called Trails of Fire, or you may know our guest today from on Facebook and his live feeds and some of the other stuff he does, worship uh, on the live feeds as well, Nick Saray. Nick, how are you, my friend? I'm great, my brother. Long time we'll talk. How are you? I know. And and he says that simply because we just got off of a Facebook live for about two hours talking about deliverance and spiritual stuff. And people were like, no, 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 don't go do more. So I don't know why they want to listen to us for that many hours. I don't know. But they did, man. I don't, I don't know. know. It's got to be Jesus. It can't just be us. I'm sure. I don't know. <laughs> so we had the chance to meet sometime back on a live feed separate from this one. And we uh, didn't get much of a chance to get into it, but now today we do. And I want to know a little about, about your story and some of your testimony, because from what I was piecing together, you have quite the interesting story to share, huh? <laughs> yeah, I've been through some things and the Lord has been faithful. All right, let's start at the top. Give me a, give me a full report on you and then we'll, we'll drill down from there. All right. Well, uh, I was born in Sudbury, Ontario, and uh, I'll just start it from here. You know, when I was four years old, um, <clears throat> I got hit by a car. I was pronounced dead for about 20 minutes. And uh, at that time, there was a charismatic wave that had hit uh, northern Ontario and Canada, you know, coming from the Jesus people in the USA. And uh, it hit the, uh, the Catholic churches, too. So there was Catholic charismatic people, of which my mother at that time was one of those. And uh, she would uh, go to some of these meetings with my aunt and my uncle, which happened to live right beside me. So four years old, get hit by a car, pronounced dead on the side of the road. So she calls the ambulance and, um, and does what any good mother should do. She gets down on her knees, starts to pray, and she gets a vision of Jesus on the cross. And Jesus speaks to her and he says, daughter, your son will live and he will be safe. And as that's happening, my father's outside too, and my aunt and my uncle come, they live right beside us. So they come out, and they see, you know, there's little Nick, their nephew, dead on the side of the road, blood all over the place. And uh, my brother also saw the event happen. He was about four years older than me. And of course, I didn't listen to my big brother, as little brothers tend to not do. And uh, so there I was. And... Uh, so the ambulance gets there and my aunt starts laying hands on me and praying in the name of Jesus, like the Bible says in Matthew 10, that we can heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out devils. So she lays hands on me and the ambulance attendees, uh, the, the paramedics, they say, you can't do that. And she looked at them with this look, you know, and she, told, she, she tells me the story sometimes. She looked at them, she said, trust me, I know what I'm doing. So she took authority and uh, in the name of Jesus, you know, I asked that God would bring me back from the dead. When she did that, I came back from a heavenly experience with God, came back into my body, started to scream. And then, you know, then they hooked me up on the machines and uh, 
yeah, that was my experience. That was my first experience with, you know, a notable miracle, if you want to call it that. Um, so from there, I always believed that God existed, you know, because what happens is when you're in Northern Ontario and it's the seventies, usually if you're French, well, you're, uh, you're automatically labeled Catholic. It's, it's just the way it went. So culturally I was a Catholic. Now, was I really following God and did I really know him? No. But, you know, there was a desire inside of me to, to know God. And so we were taught some basic things about Jesus. And uh, I did believe in the existence of God. But even after that experience, I didn't know him. And uh, so a year later, my father died, took his life. That was uh, had a huge effect on me. And, and I didn't realize the effect it had until I got saved and got delivered from all of those things, you know. And it's... It's really important, you know, the Father's love, I think, is one of the number one things that's missing. And it's so important. It's such an attack on that in this world. So uh, I'm five years old. I got no dad. And uh, we moved around a lot after that. You know, my mom, I guess, just trying to find her way and then trying to uh, take the brunt of the kids, you know, and try to raise us up in the right way. Lots of love on that side. And, you know, my mother, I believe, was a real example of, of, of a real mother who would lay down her life, you know, for, for her kids to to feed us and clothe us and make sure we have a future. And, uh, but through that, you know, still lacking that father's love, I went looking for it through alcoholism. And cause uh, I used to drink with my uncles and used to party with my uncles. I started drinking. I was eight years old. And, uh, from there started to get into drugs and then the bars and of course, sleeping around women and, uh, all that kind of stuff. So then I got into crack, got into cocaine. So by 1996, you know, I was crying out and I said, God, listen, man, I can't do this anymore. I need help. <laughs> and so got a phone call and my cousin calls me up. He's from the capital of Canada in Ottawa, Ontario. And uh, he says, Hey Nick, why don't you come up here? You know, we'll work together. We'll help each other out. There's lots of jobs here. And uh, you know, you could really make it a living and get your feet back on the ground. So I said, okay. So I moved over there and then, you know, was sober for a couple of weeks and then right back into the bottle and then started partying with the boys over from Quebec and things got worse and I got deeper into the drugs. And, uh, so one week, this is in, uh, by now it's, we're 97. So one week goes by where it was just drinking, just binging, just doing drugs, barely any sleep at all. You know, plus I was broke and, and, uh, you know, people say that, you know, the devil doesn't exist. And, that, but that day, that day, at the end of that week, I remember, I think it was a Thursday or a Friday. I'm thinking, okay, how could I drink? How could I get drunk? How could I go out and get some dope kind of thing? I hear this voice in my head and it tells me, because you go to this specific Irish bar and there'll be a man there. And all he wants is a friend to hang out with and, you know, he'll buy all your beer. And I'm like, okay. So I went to test it out. Sure enough, there was a guy there, started talking with him, stuff like that. Starts buying me the rounds and he plays the whole rounds the whole night. And I end up at this girl's house in uh, Quebec and, uh, and somebody who was there had cocaine. So, you know, he's like, hey, do you want to do something? I said, sure. And so I started to do some more. But then when I did that, what happened is my body was basically saying, look, man, I had it, had enough. I need sleep, uh, you know, and, and, and I, I was so drained that I couldn't stand up because I felt like I was going to pass out. But then I'm, I'm so high on the cocaine that I feel like I can't sit down because I'm too hyper. What a dilemma that was. 
I called my buddy. I said, listen, dude, man. I said, I need a ride. I need to go home, man. It's too much. So I literally crawled home through the hallway, through the apartments that day, opened up that door and then went into my bedroom. I was alone that, you know, I was living with my cousin at that time, but I was alone that day. And I go right to my bedside and I cried out, man. I cried out and I said, listen, God, I don't know a religious prayer for this, but all I know is I need help. I need you to intervene. There's got to be more to life than this. I can't do this anymore. And uh, at the same time, I was studying the medicine wheel and I was studying to be a shaman. And I had had a few experiences with that. Um, And I said, I knew enough to say, Lord, I surrender my spirit to you. Whatever you want to do with me, just do it. Change me. And I believe on that day, brother, I believe on that day for those that are listening, that God heard the sound of surrender. When he hears that sound, that's what moves things. And so that day I surrendered to God. And you know, my prayer was, God, I surrender to you. And and Lord, whatever you want to do with me. But I said, Lord, I need you down here for real. Not just as a fairy tale way up there in the sky. Like we're always told, oh, God watches over us. You know, as if he's way out there, but he's not really intimately involved with the things we're involved with. So about a week later, I meet this, one of those, you know, what people would say, one of those crazy preacher guys on the street. And this guy's just letting her rip on the streets and he's just going for it. And he's like, God, save the sex military man from crack cocaine, from suicide and from military abuse. And, and he can save you. And if you repent and, you know, he's talking about sin, he's talking about salvation. He's talking about recognizing that without Christ, we're all sinners and none of us can make it on our own. But through Christ Jesus, we can be uh, forgiven. We can be made whole. And that when we accept him as Lord and Savior, surrender to that, he'll change us, transform us. Now, I didn't understand that kind of language with my brain, but it was hitting my heart. And that was the prayer a week before that God was answering. So he comes up to me, right? And he's like, um, he's like, so what did you think of my message? And my response to that was to try to take the spotlight off myself. I said, well, hey, man, if that worked for you, that's great. He says, no. He says, I'm talking about you. He says, you know, do you, have you ever prayed and asked Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior and confessed, acknowledged that you're a sinner before him? And I said, well, I'm Catholic. He says, no, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, and I, and I kind of had that attitude. Well, I'm Catholic. So once a Catholic, always a Catholic. And, you know, I got my membership. I'm good to go. And, and he's like, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really surrendering to God, asking him into your heart. And I said, no. And he says, would you like to pray with me? And I'm thinking in my mind, well, some other place, some other time. And I'm all worried that people are going to see me with the religious guy. So <laughs> he, uh, he says, well, how about right here, right now, we pray. And I was going to say no, and it comes out, yeah, okay. And then I'm like, oh, now I got to pray with this guy. But you see, God he saw through all that, guys. He saw through all that stuff, right? He didn't say, well, that's it. You see this kid, he's being so sarcastic. I, I, can't give, I can't go in there. I can't go in that home. But he saw that little seed of faith, and he saw that, that prayer. He heard that prayer that I prayed. And so I started to pray and I, you know, it's like I could see Jesus right beside the father saying, see dad, that door is just a little tad open. I'm going in. And Jesus moved into my heart on that day, 1997, right there on Rideau Street, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And my life, that's where it took a 180, man. And uh, then I I heard the voice of the Lord and the Lord said, buy him a coffee. (laughs) Of all the things to hear, right? Buy him a coffee. 
And all these years we're told that coffee's the devil's tool, <laughs> right? Uh, put that in your religious pipe and smoke it. Did you buy him the coffee? I did. I did. I obeyed. It was a thus saith the Lord. I had to obey. Oh, thus saith the Lord. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I didn't know King James back then either, guys. Joke. So um, <laughs> nice. I go sit down at Tim Hortons and we're having a coffee. Yeah, sorry to rub it in, brother. Why you got to do this? See, now you're just showboating with the Tim Hortons. Why you got to do that to me, man? If you're on the live feed, you know all about it. I love Tim Hortons. Can't get it here in the States where I am anyway. And uh, Mr. Ontario up there has got to start with me. Killing me, bro. All right. But, uh, sorry to interrupt. Little side note. Timmy's is the best, but you may continue. Go ahead. And, uh, that's why we got to get you up here, brother. So I'm sitting down and uh, he starts talking with me. And all of a sudden, as we're talking, he says, stop. Just wait. I said, what? And uh, he says, I see you in a vision right now. I see you playing guitar. And, he, and God has shown me he likes to play really fast. He's going to use that for his glory. He says, God has also shown me that you're going to be sharing Jesus with people across the world. And I had never heard about prophecy, the gifts of the spirit, all that stuff. You know, even though I was raised from dead when I was four, I didn't understand that kind of stuff. I didn't know the gifts of the spirit. God could speak through people, whatever. So my first thought was, oh my gosh, is this guy a quack or what? And the second thought was, well, wait a minute. If God is God, he can truly speak through people. And I know the second thought was not of my own. Basically, God tell me, look, I can speak through people. But, and so I went with that second half. And uh, I said, how do you know this? And he says, well, the Holy Spirit showed it to me as you were talking. So as we keep talking, it turns out that he's from my hometown. And we went in the same fishing holes and stuff. And, and so God used that for us to uh, be able to start a, a relationship in, in Christ. And I started to learn the, the word of God. And what really touched me about this guy is that, you know, it wasn't the suit and tie and trying to headlock you into going into the church and, and you know, and you got to submit to this and submit to that. But he humbled himself. And he was, you know, his T-shirt, jeans, and he would come over and he would basically sit on my rug, man, and, and share the gospel with me. And I was so curious. I was so curious, guys, because I wanted, I, I knew that inside that I had found the truth. I knew something was different now. I started to walk different, talk different, think different tried to go back to the old watering holes, tried to go back and drink the beer. And it wasn't the same. I would go to the bar and I'd start preaching to the girls there instead of trying to pick them up. I'd buy them a coffee and tell them, you know why I'm doing this is because I want to show you that not all men want to pick you up and God loves you. Not all men just want to get down your pants. And I started to preach the gospel in the bars. Right. So there was a transformation there. And, uh, and so all the stuff that I had, I started to ask them, well, does this have a spirit? Does that have a spirit? What kind of spirits behind this? What kind of spirits behind that? And I would, and I would ask him, is that in the Bible? Where is that in the Bible? And he would show me witchcraft. He would show me these things. He would show me the, you know, in the Old Testament, all the old false gods and all that garbage and the relation with these things. So God started to change and transform me, tell me to get rid of those things, got rid of all my old heavy metal albums and CDs. And I mean, I had hundreds of these things. Those were my idols. Right. But God had, you know, we, we, we were talking just jokingly about cow tipping. I don't know if anybody, any of the listeners know about that, or I don't know if you've heard that expression, but cow tipping, what we do, what farmers used to do in farms, what bad kids, if you want to call them that, used to do, they'd go over and they'd actually tip the cows because it was very hard for the cows to get back up. And they'd find that funny. Well, when we say that, spiritually speaking, we're talking about the golden calves that people make unto themselves, idols, right? And so God likes to go cow tipping, just, just a side note. And uh, so I started to get rid of all that stuff 
and make way for the things of God. And, and I started to, God started to really transform me and to really change me. And I had such an insatiable desire, unquenchable desire for the word of God. And I would read that thing like 10 hours, 12 hours, 14 hours a day, every day, all the time. And um, because I knew it was the truth, the truth that all the sages, the truth that all the people, the greatest philosophers, what they were looking for. It's like I just had a knowing on the inside. This is it. This is what everybody is looking for uh, of every time, tongue, tribe, nation, every culture. This is it, the wisdom, the truth. And I started to have that relationship with God. And that was the start. That was the start how I got saved how God started to transform me. So from there, you pivoted into really embracing and getting into the supernatural and specifically into the topic of deliverance, which we just spent quite a bit of time discussing on our live feed that we did. So as you were growing in this and as you started learning more and more and figuring what you could out, how did you then pivot into the spiritual side of things? How did you start into deliverance? What, where did that all come from? You know, it might sound really simple to some people, but uh, one of the things that when I first got saved, I started to understand that all these things like, you know, just maybe take rock music for an instance of all, you know, the satanic references and all that. Then understanding the supernatural side of that, that that's from the devil and that my family, my family had been attacked by, by the enemy and the enemy dared to attack my family and that his his only goal was to steal, kill, and destroy. And that my family was basically had been besieged by the enemy. And I was like, no way, devil. No way, devil. Is this going to happen? I am going to come up against you and destroy all of your darkness and your kingdoms for as long as I can until God takes me out of this world till I see the last soul state. That was my drive for that. And I start to understand that there's a spiritual battle. Um, the man that brought me to Christ, he, he told me one thing, and I never forgot it. And it's like we, we are in an arena, which is the world. And that arena could also be like our soul. And that you're in the middle. And you're either, there's Satan fighting against you to destroy you. And there's God who has fought through Christ Jesus at the cross to give you the victory and to come onto the winning side. And you are in the middle and you have to make a choice. But the battle is real. And I never forgot that. So, you know, I was not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but these, God starts speak to me about these things. And so I'm reading in the Bible, I'm reading Matthew chapter 10, and I read, you know, Jesus gathers the 12 disciples, gives them power against unclean spirits, cast them out and over all manner of uh, sickness and disease. And then, and then I'm seeing, okay, they go out, they do this stuff. I'm like, wow. So it's not just, okay, be a good little Christian, be nice, and, you know, uh, try to rectify your character and that's it, but that there's actually a supernatural reality to this. And these guys got to do these things. But I was thinking these guys, us guys, as if there's a separation there. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. These are disciples. It doesn't say apostles, but disciples. And so I questioned the guy who brought me to the Lord. I said, hey, man, can I have this baptism of the Holy Spirit too? Or is that just for the special guys, right? Because they got special tasks to do. And he says, no, it's for everybody. I said, when do I get this thing? So he says, well, when God says. And for me, that's what I needed to hear. Now, I get it that, you know, a lot of times it's like right there, right on the spot, the person asks, they're open, they want to receive, praise God, let's do it. Boom, God does it. But for me, that's what I needed to hear. And so a little, I think it was that month or two goes by, and we're painting chairs at this uh, ministry. He had invited me to go paint chairs. 
So we go to this ministry. Turns out that pastor too is from my hometown. How cool is that? And so we're painting chairs and all this stuff. And I had heard this testimony of this guy, Len Carter, got this awesome wild baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was all alone. He was praying. The Holy Spirit came in through the window like a mighty rushing wind, filled them up. He instantly began to speak in tongues, was filled with the power of the presence of God. So when I heard that testimony, I'm like, God, when I get baptized, I would like that man there. I don't want to be selfish, but I would like that man to be there. So we're painting chairs that one day. And as we're painting chair, in walks in that pastor. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then so the guy, Terry, he says, guys, I think Nick's ready to be baptized. And they're all like, yeah, I believe so. But put me on a chair, right? And. And so you, you, you got to understand that I come from this Catholic background where in most of the Catholic churches that had been in, there was no Holy Spirit moving there. There was no this kind of stuff. It was, you know, whatever was on the program, which was probably the same that was on program last year. <laughs> that's what was said. That's what was done. Get up, get down. And it's all systematically done, right? That's the way they operated in these churches. And <laughs> so they're praying over me. And all of a sudden it's like, Holy Spirit, fill them, fill them up, Lord God. Oh, I feel the anointing. Thank you, Jesus, right? And they're just going there, shaking under the power. And I'm thinking, oh, no, God, what have you done to me? What is this? I give my life to you. Now I'm stuck in this weird cult stuff. What the heck are you doing with me? And I hear the voice of the Lord say, Nick, never mind those people. He said, right now, just focus on me and surrender it all to me. As God tells me that, pastor behind my ear he whispers he says nick god says just give it all to him surrender it all to him exact words god has just told me so then i knew okay this is for real god so as i surrender that moment of surrender some people ask how do you surrender i said, "I don't know it's just in your will in your wherever you are in your guts of guts you just say okay that's it i surrender i give in <laughs> i give up come out with your hands up right so I surrendered to God. The moment I did that, I got caught up in the heavens. And uh, it's like if you could picture two huge hands with everything that you are called to do, everybody you're called to meet, all the money necessary, all the events, the whatever you want to call it, in both hands, he takes that. And the fa- it's like the father just put that right in my stomach. And he's like, Boom! and I felt such a jolt, a power of God surge through me. I felt a river of life and of love straight from heaven. It was like waterfalls going on me, in me, and through me. And it was, I could feel heat. I could feel it was like oil at the same time. And I could feel in the midst of all that, it was the love of God pouring through me. And this burden, I didn't even know what's still there, came right off my back. And I was instantly delivered from all the stuff I was in bondage to. Now, I still had one thing that I had to really fight with, but you know, in, in a general sense, if you will, I knew that burden of sin was off my back and I was transformed, you know, and filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. They all looked at each other and they say, man, we got an evangelist on our hands. And the guy that brings me to the Lord says, yeah, he says, and more than an evangelist. Um, but to this day, I still don't think the pastor that was there, who's, who's now a good friend of mine, I still don't think he understands the depth of what happened in being caught up in the heavenlies and that. But yeah, that's, so that was the beginning of uh, encountering, really encountering the supernatural and understanding that this is for real. And so then I, 
you know, I knew I had that power to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. And even though I'd never healed a fly, never, never cast out any devil yet, I just thanked God for it. I knew to thank God by faith that I have this and start walking into it and look for opportunity. So you asked, how did this really begin? You know, well, my first experience with casting out devils, I'm in my bedroom, I'm praying, and uh, the Lord, uh, the Lord shows me a vision. I see the the woman that married the guy who brought me to the Lord. That lady there, he shows me a vision of her, and he says she has a Jezebel spirit, and how it came through her is through her ex boyfriend who was a warlock and cursed her. I'm like, okay. He says, I want you to go cast that out. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so we we lived in the same apartment block. So I went, knocked on his door, told him the story. He's like, okay. And there happened to be other people that were there too. And I told her that what the Lord told me. And I said, is this real? She says, yes. My ex-boyfriend was a warlock and he cursed me. He says, I will put my spirit within you and I'm not letting you go. If you ever try to leave me, I will continue to torment you. And I was like, okay. So I'm just like maybe three months in the Lord here. I still soaking wet. Three months in the Lord. And uh, so I started, I said, okay, let's pray. And I said, this was going to happen. I'm going to pray for you. And God's going to cast it out. And God's going to set you free. He's like, okay. I started to pray. And uh, as I'm praying, the power of God comes on her. And I started rebuking that thing. A male voice comes out of her and says, who do you think you are? <laughs> so I'm brand new. And I'm like, oh, God, what do I say, Lord? You know, I, I felt a fear come over me that the enemy was trying to uh, make me back off through fear. And I heard the Lord say on the inside, do not show this thing fear. And what I'm about to say, guys, you know, it, God was saying this in first person through me. It was, it's kind of like sitting back and watching God move through you. It was kind of wild. And he says, this is my son. I have sent him here to cast you out. And this is what he's going to do. So as God was speaking that, it built up my confidence that, okay, we got this. God sent me. He's confirming it. So I bound it in the name of Jesus, commanded it to go. And I said, I set up the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ between me and you and everybody else here. And you must release her in the name of Jesus. And I just, uh, if you will, exerted the creed, the power of the blood of Jesus over, over her. And the fact that this thing has to come out in the name of Jesus. So there was a little tug of wars, about four or five guys there. Maybe, or I think there was about four guys there. Some of them pretty big guys. But she was like 80, 90 pounds soaking wet. And, uh, you know, it took all those guys to hold her down in that moment. And uh, it's not always like that, but uh, that's how it was in that moment. So she falls down, gets back up, and she's like, how, what, what just happened to me? I said exactly what I told you would happen. That spirit's gone. That's what happened. <laughs> You're set free now. So that was the beginning of my deliverance, of the deliverance ministry that God has brought me into. Modern day deliverance ministry. What do you see going on in the world? What do you see as far as when people come to you and they have needs? Is there any one particular thing that's sort of prevalent right now, or is it a mix of everything? What give us kind of the 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 pulse and the temperature of where you see deliverance at this moment? Well, I think right now in this particular season, because of what we're going through in the plan in the pandemic, um, what I'm seeing a lot has been a lot of discouragement and a lot of uh, suicide. As the suicide rates have really gone up, there's been, that's been a real common denominator with people just feeling totally discouraged. 
And so uh, needed exhortation and, you know, uh, a lot of those attacks of death and suicide. So when you go to minister deliverance, we, as we were talking about earlier, that everybody sort of has like different beliefs on how it needs to be done. If uh, some people want to kind of get into like yelling matches and start screaming at things, there's other people that just are very matter of fact, just like they're, you know, reading, you know, computer instructions or something like that. If someone is in this case where maybe they're interested in deliverance ministry, they want to get started, they want to try it. How do you recommend they actually approach it? What is sort of, we don't like systems and formulas, but just something to get them going. How should someone approach that? I think some key things, there's, there's some key things that no matter what approach we, you know, because we all go from different angles sometimes, but some key things is definitely one of the most important is knowing your uh, identity in Christ, first and foremost, knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. Um, if you look at Matthew uh, chapter 3 and 4, Matthew chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized by John. Father says, look, hey, this is my son. You're my son in whom I'm well pleased. Like he makes it known, you are my son. We look at Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus is fasting and praying 40 days in the desert, tempted in the wilderness. The devil, the first thing he says, if you be the son of God, first thing he, he, he went at is his identity. Try to make him doubt his identity or try to make him prove his identity in the wrong way. Um, and so the devil, I believe, that's one of the first things in ministry that the devil will challenge to you. You look at Acts chapter 19, when uh, the vagabond Jews went about doing exorcism, they're like, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, right? We exhort, we command you to come out. And then they're like, what? <laughs> like, all I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? And you notice in those verses, they never answered anything they didn't know they didn't have you know they probably weren't even born again yet so they didn't know their identity in christ and so they were overtaken by those things so if you don't know that you are the one who has the authority that's that and that's the second key that goes along with that is authority knowing you know jesus says in luke chapter 10 verse 19 and that wasn't just to the the the, the 12 disciples that was to the other 70 disciples that he also sent in uh in Luke ten nineteen, so they 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 go and they they're commissioned by God to go out heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the cast out devils, preach the gospel of the kingdom. They come back and they're like, man, even the devils are listening, you know. And wow, this stuff actually works. And so Jesus, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing, and but Jesus is like, look, don't don't be freaked out, man, because these things are subject unto you. Don't don't be all proud about that, but rather that your names are written in heaven. But then he says, behold, I give unto you power, spread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means hurt you. So authority, knowing your authority, that you, when you are commissioned by God, sent by God, that you have absolute all power and all authority to execute what God tells you to do when you're casting out those devils. And just for the listening audience, just so we're clear, what does all mean? Well, if you uh, study in the Hebrew, it's really neat. Um, in the Hebrew, I think it means all. And in Greek, uh, it's kind of the same, means all. How about every? What does every mean? Um, I think it means the same, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, okay. Just want to be clear on that, because some people will say, well, you can do this, but not that. No, all means all. Just throwing that out at you. I think it's fascinating. And, and since we're kind of on this subject, when you were going through your initial testimony, so just so everybody's clear, you weren't a perfect little angel. You weren't, you know, all 
perfectly right with God, but he still managed to find you. And I think that's what discourages a lot of people because they feel they're too far gone or they're too, you know, I can't minister deliverance because I have too much baggage that'll get attacked or something like that. And well, what it always seems to come back to is that element of fear. And why is it that's, that fear is so prevalent? Why does it have that big of a hold on people, especially when stepping into something like this? Because it's what holds us back, right? And I think it's the, it's the opposite economy of, of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, everything we do, we do it by faith. And what the enemy tries to pressure and make us do is through fear, always through fear. Is that when we give in to fear, we're giving in to the enemy. And we're not coming into the fullness of what we're called to. Because, and that's why the enemy uses fear on people to keep us back from what he probably even knows that we are capable of doing. And he's afraid. He's terrified. So he tries to project that fear on you. So you will not go forth and do this, you know, and demolish his kingdoms, basically. All right. So you mentioned earlier about when you were ministering against the warlock spirit and all that situation. In the times that you've ministered deliverance, what would you say is outside of that first one? What would you say is like one of the craziest uh, deliverance things you've seen, the, like a wild deliverance session, something crazy happened. Give us like something really juicy that we could, uh, we could hear. What do you got? <laughs> God's so good. Um, I'll give you this one. Um, before I went to Tanzania, 2018, I believe it was October, November, we were going to Tanzania. So I was down in London, Ontario, and I was praying in there. And uh, as I'm praying, I see myself in a specific geographic reason, re- region. And the Lord told me, he says, this is Tanzania. And so I saw this, this region in, in Tanzania, and I see this entity come to me. And I could see in the spirit, if, you know, some people would say in, in vision form, I could see this thing come to me and basically try to discourage me and say, you know, and trying to make me doubt, are you really called to come here? You know, if you're not really sent from God, that you will have no real authority. You better make sure, are you sure? Maybe you shouldn't come here, that kind of thing, right? And so I'm having this out with this thing. And then I said to the people around me, I said, would you pray with me, please? You know, I'm having these doubts right now. And I see this entity as I'm praying. And uh, so we bound it in the name of Jesus. And it was a principality. And so we found that thing in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and uh, commanded it to go. And then he prayed over me. And then I got my confidence back. I knew I was called to go. So as I'm in Africa, I'm in Africa now. I'm in Tanzania. We're ministering to villages, uh, hut villages in uh, northern Tanzania. And we're in uh, with the Maasai tribe. And so we go out on this thing. And as we're preaching, we're just outside the village. People are coming to Christ. People are getting set free. People are getting delivered. People are getting healed. And souls are coming to Christ. And all of a sudden, I hear somebody scream, demon, demon. And it's like I was Jehu getting on my horse. And I'm like, where is that demon? Where is it? Where is it? Let me add it. And so I see this little guy. He's about small guy, really small guy. I actually have photos of this. And, uh, so the small guy, he's not saying anything, but it's like he's, he's, he's snarling. He's snarling, if you will. And, and uh, he's angry, you could tell, and he's out of control. And so he's barely wearing anything. And he's just like trying to fight against us, right? And so they're holding him down. And the pastor's wife starts praying over him. And that same morning, somebody I was with, 
His name was John. He says, Nick, this is your day, man. This is your day. Everything that you've been called to do, I, I'm just feeling this is your day. And so I'm like, okay. So as this is happening, and, and we're praying over this kid, that vision came back. And it's like God was showing me, this is it. That, this exact place is where I was in the vision. And so we bound that thing, and they're praying over him. And, you know, if they, if they would do in America and, and Canada what they do in Africa, some people would get charged because they don't mess around when they do deliver. And so that poor kid is getting hit on the back, right, as we're praying for him to be set free. And I'm thinking, you know, I got a one-liner going in my head, though, though this is a really serious moment. And I'm thinking, I don't know which one's worse, the deliverance session or the possession. But either way, that <laughs> demon won't even have a place to stay, so he better come out. Right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so she's she saying, come out, come out, right? And she's saying it in Swahili and, you know, toka, toka. And then I, I he, John gets bit. It's so exciting to see. John gets bit on, on his leg by this kid. And I'm like, wow. So right after he gets bit, God in his wisdom, in his awesome wisdom, he gives me a vision. I see my hand going down into his mouth. And he says, I want you to just grab that demon as a step of faith, as a prophetic act. I want you to just go right into his mouth. You grab that demon and yank it right out. And I'm like, okay. And I'm feeling like, man, this better be you, Lord. You better back me up on this. <laughs> so, you know, I did what the Lord showed. And I went, and there was a reason why he said that. So I went into his mouth and I just by faith yanked that thing right out said you're coming out in the name of Jesus Toka Conjinala Yesu I said Moto which means fire when I did that boom that kid fell you know and of course we know it's a collective thing everybody was praying but this is my side of the story what I saw happen and falls on the ground and I see in, in the spirit realm like this huge dragon right and I understood something after that and I heard God say I want you to slay your dragon this is yours to slay today and I said, okay, so take note, guys. This was a principality, not just a demon. It was a principality in the region. And, and, and here's the fruit of what happened. Here's what's so amazing about what happened. Um, so the kid gets set free, and she tells him, say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He says, Jesus is Lord. And this is the report for the kid. And it gets greater than that, though. But this is the report from the kid, is that he could not talk for years, had not said a word, could not talk. When we took that spirit out of him, now he could talk. And so we connected him with the pastor that was there. And uh, so there was this, uh, one of the chiefs of the villages got saved the year before we, I went there. And the story is that he was a witch doctor. And he had commanded, he had commissioned the people to go and break the windows on that church because they didn't want any of the missionaries to come there. So they went anyway and revival thing happened the chief got saved the chief got healed but one of the chief's son got healed and was performing witchcraft got crushed by by a tree and could not because of that he could not walk he could not eat he could not drink he was in that state for like eight days or something and so they bring that that kid there this is the year before they bring that son there and, and they say can you pray for him can you do anything for him they said of course and they prayed in the name of jesus and about 20 minutes after somebody said let god do his job we prayed and so they start praying for other people. That guy gets up and walks. As a result of that, the chief got, got saved, gave his life to Jesus. Plus, 
you know, their God sent rain. It had not rained there for like two, three years, had not rained in that area. As soon as they stepped foot, it rained. Okay, but here's why I'm saying this background thing. So that chief there is now saved. This is, you know, 2018. He's saved, has another son. The son comes and he says, can I give a testimony? And we say, of course. So he gives a testimony. He says, you know, I, every night, every night I would have tormenting spirits take me and bring me to, to a grave site and then bring me into a, a snake's pit and torment me every night. And I could never sleep until you guys prayed for me. And he says, after you prayed for me, he says, I slept like a baby. He says, my wife had to wake me up. And he says this report, this was at the same time that that principality got defeated in the name of Jesus. At that same time, he says, all the witches in the area have all lost their power. This was his report. So right after that, that church got filled up. The men started to come and revival started and is still happening to this day in that area. Trails of Fire. Tell me about that. Well, the inspiration for Trails of Fire actually came last year. Um, went on a uh, on a uh, crusade. We were on a tour with some brothers in Christ. We came together. And yes, guys, Facebook friends are real too. They really exist. Uh, we came together. We had a guy come from uh, from China. Uh, Japan, sorry, Japan. Stephen Barrett from Japan. He was originally from the States. We had another brother from Canada. Anyway, a bunch of us got together. What happened is that uh, a bunch of churches and a bunch of groups from different places in Canada that wanted to be activated, that wanted to know what it's like, that wanted to see what it's like to go out there, outside the four walls, and see people get healed, saved, and delivered, to see the gifts they manifest. And it's always been my heart, my vision, to see people come into their giftings like that. And to see teams activated who will go out there and win souls and do the stuff that we're called to do. And so that was the vision of Trails of Fire, was to call forth the pioneers, those that are pioneering a work of God, and those that are doing new stuff from God, stuff that maybe you haven't seen in your traditional church, stuff that we're actually called to do that's in the Bible. Um, And so Trailblazers, the vision is to uh, release Trailblazers across Canada and across all the nations. If people want to track you down, they want to find you, learn more, check out your live feeds, learn about the Trails of Fire in addition to that. How can people find you? Where are you located? Give us a uh, full rundown on contact information. Yeah, well, I'm in Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. So if you're in Canada, you could get a hold of me. Best way, though, guys, is through through Facebook, Nick Sere, N-I-C-K-S-E-R-R-E. And we also have a ministry page on there, Nick Sere, Trail of Fire. And of course, if you ever need it, you can also message us at uh, dominionfire.com. There's contact form. If you're ever trying to find anybody on any of our shows, just let us know and we will definitely hook you up on that. And uh, Nick, as as we're getting ready to close out today, as we're uh, finishing this podcast, would you please leave the audience sort of with maybe a final thought, a little bit of prayer possibly about getting activated, getting involved in this, getting their hands dirty, and going out there and winning this thing. So kind of take us to the end on this. And listen, if you are a disciple of Christ, if you're born again, if you're spirit-filled, or even if you want to get born again, get spirit-filled, and you're getting excited to hear of these things. You know, we've seen so many miracles, signs, and wonders. And of course, the greatest miracle where it all points to is the salvation of souls. That is the greatest. That's the ultimate. When one sinner comes back to God, All of heaven rejoices over this. But as believers, as disciples, we have a responsibility. We have 
You know, God's given us tools to get the job done. That's how I look at the gifts in these things. They are tools to get the job done, to get souls saved, to fix things up that have been broken, and set the captives free. And, if that, and you know, if you want that, if you want that, that's for you. God has called you to it. If you're a disciple, you are called to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. You're called to preach the gospel of the kingdom. You know, it's not just the evangelist, not just the pastor, not just the prophet or the apostle that's called to do these things. Every disciple of Christ is given this authority. Get the power of God. Get filled. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, get filled with the Holy Spirit. And of course, you can contact Milan. You can contact me, and we would gladly pray for you. But we're going to do a prayer right here online that you receive an impartation tonight, that you receive this in the name of Jesus, that you be activated to go out and do the stuff. And listen, guys, you don't have to wait till somebody else tells you that, look, you got your papers to do this. Now you can go out and do this. You want to know where you'll get your real papers is in John 15, 16. That's where you get your ordination. He says, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bear the good fruit. So you're already by Christ commissioned to go and bear good fruit. You're ordained for this stuff. So I want to speak over you right now. If that's you and you're saying, man, I want this stuff. I want to see souls get saved. I want to see people get healed, delivered. I want to see these dead devils cast out and take authority over these things. So right now, Father God, I pray for those people that are hungry for you right now, Lord, that are hungry for this. I want this. I want to walk in the supernatural, Lord God, not only to cast out devils, Lord God, but Lord God, to encounter you, Lord, to know you, Father God. That's the greatest is to know you. And as we know you, as we come into you, to knowing you and having that relationship with you, Lord God, you give us the power to do these things. So right now, I want to release that power, that anointing, Lord God, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead, to cast out devils, Lord God, those that are called to deliverance, Lord God, that you would right now, Lord, release the anointing upon them, Lord God. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the greatest teacher, Lord, and that you will go and instruct these people, Lord God, in all the ways they should go in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Give us a greater hunger for you, for your word, in Jesus' name. And I want to make this last call, this last prayer before we go. I want to say that if you don't know Jesus and you want to know this Jesus or you want to be set free right now, I want to pray with you. If you're willing, if you heard the testimony, you heard how God changed me and transformed me, and, and, and you want that, you say, I want what this guy's got, and then what this guy's got is Jesus, and you can have the same exact Jesus, amen? And right now, I want to pray with you, and I want to say this. I want you to repeat this with me. If you're listening to this at home, and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to say these words with me and say, Father God, right now, I surrender everything, all my sins, all of who I am, I surrender to you right now. And I believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross and rose again the third day. That he lives at the right hand of God the Father. And right now I repent and I receive forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I ask Jesus to come into my heart, be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there you have it, listeners. There's, I don't think there's anything much more for me to say beyond that, except uh, we thank you for being here and a big thanks to Nick Surrey for joining us. And anytime, visit this podcast or any of our other 
media creations at www.dominionfire.com, facebook.com forward slash dominionfire, on Twitter at healingminister, youtube.com forward slash dominionfire. And uh, again, if you're ever unsure, just go to dominionfire.com, send us an email, and we'll get you hooked up with whatever you need. Nick, again, thank you for joining us. And listeners, we thank you for being here for this marathon session we had today. As we always say at our ministry, boom, goes Yeshua, and we will see you guys all next time.